The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? We have a listener-inspired cocktail. Okay, good. This is from Master Dan on FetLife, uh-huh. who is going to send me possibly some more recipes. Um, but basically, this is the first one, and this is called Brandy Gonzo. Oh, and I've made so many drinks. I have no idea if I've made this or not no, before. You this is <laughs> but not I don't think list. I have, or no. at least we haven't made this by this name. No. But th- I went and bought some French brandy, VSOP, okay. because I think that's something nice to drink anyway. Yeah. So, so if you're going to make one drink, it's one part brandy, one part half and half, half a part of cream de cocoa and half a part of Kahlua. Wow. Stirred, and you can serve it straight up, which I chose to do because then you put a little cinnamon on top. Mm. Uh, you can, after you stir it, strain it over fresh ice on the rocks too. It's pretty. Yeah. It smells good. Yeah. It looks like a, like a milkshake. Yeah. Mm. The cinnamon's like such an interesting flavor. You could get messed up on that. Well, that's delicious. Isn't that good? Master Dan, well done. Master Dan, well done. He said, I think he said, if I remember correctly in this message, that his partner or his wife or something along that line coaxed them to have these and like they get screwed up on these. (laughs) They love these. And he came up with it years and years ago. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? And I looked in our cabinet the other day. We had some brandy, but not enough. And we are out of Kahlua. And Kahlua is like kind of one of those things you can have in your coffee. And so you can have around. Plus you can cook with Kahlua in cookies and things. So I thought, okay. Clue's worth it. And then I already had cream to cocoa yeah. and half and half. So well, it's a good drink. You know, it's definitely a dessert drink. It's definitely a dessert drink. I mean, you know, we're going a little backwards today. Yeah. But some of the listeners' drinks are going to be that way. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to have them on the pod, we're going to do them as we come up. I want to give a fair warning to the listeners of this particular episode. Oh, okay. We recorded the episode outdoors. Yes. So there's some background noise. There's some oh, airplanes yes. and some dogs and other things. Yes. But we were actually sitting out for our sangria Sunday, which we mm-hmm had last week and it was seafair weekend yep. so just fair warning little background noise not the clean audio you're used to yeah but it's, that'll a be what's pod. it's a gorilla pod right yes yeah. we're back to our gorilla roots yes that was recorded on an iphone nice yeah enjoy the kinky cocktail hour is brought to you by slub usa the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit SlubUSA at slub, 
S-L-U-B-B-USA.com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. The story of O, chapter two, part six for us. Part six? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so, gosh, what an interesting passage that was. Interesting section, because it's just her own internal reflection of, you know, as we get to the end, we find out she's at work when she's having this whole moment. Yeah. So it's a long little passage, quite detailed, but she's actually in her own head while she's at work. Right. Because she's expecting Renee, and he's late by at least 30, 40 minutes. And so that, that initiates this whole conversation. In her head. In her head. But, but we learn in this conversation how Renee came into the picture, how she was this sort of outward sexual beast, you know, very demanding, but all of a sudden... She meets him and she's like she smitten. Met her match. Yeah. She met her match. And he jumps on her like a pirate and he basically captivates her and he binds her with these emotional binds that, you know, she describes as weak as a spider web but as powerful as the binds that bind Gulliver. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's really in her head like she feels this sense of belonging and ownership by Renee. But at the same time, the worry of being set aside or abandoned or no, yeah. abandoned, no yeah. longer valued is paralyzing for her. Mm-hmm. Like she, it's the difference between night and day, but there is no night, there is no day. That it, she's basically, this is what you, you hear when people talk about, or poetry's written about love. When you hear people walking in a fog when their heart's broken or they're, they're in a hole, basically. Because she feels like there's no reason for living. Yeah, she has. She has an anxiety attack. Yeah, basically. Yeah, an internal anxiety attack in front of at at work. At work, just while she's imagining Renee abandoning her, and then she contemplates the way that he prostituted her, and she describes the experience as being whipped into submission, and the experience of really experiencing people she really didn't like and she really resisted but they took her anyway and Mm -hmm. they whipped her until she was subservient and she justifies that by saying well my prostitution is effectively a gift to 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 renee and maybe because i'm such a wanton whore maybe he loves me more and you know he's asked for this so i'm doing as he says i'm obedient yeah. Yeah. yeah But she realizes that Sir Stephen gets at that she actually enjoyed the experience and she contemplates her potential having enjoyed the experience of being prostituted Mm -hmm. in the way that she was and whipped. And she realizes that Sir Stephen, you know, sees into her in a way Renee doesn't. Right. Right. But she's also really terrified of being abandoned by Renee. Yeah, it's, yeah, I get that. I get that. And she even makes suggestions like, well, is he late because he was playing bridge or late with friends or another face? Mm. Like there could be someone else. Well, she, she notes that he's free. Mm-hmm. So he, she's, she doesn't have ownership of him in the way he has ownership of her. Right. Right. So it's an interesting experience for her to contemplate her existence in this space. And 
she's so disabled by the thought of him abandoning her mm-hmm. that she can only go like moment to moment, day to day, week to week. She can't plan beyond. Yeah. Which I was, when I was reading, I was identifying with our whole being present yeah. in the moment. The, the powerfulness of, and the depth of our dynamic in, in that we have to be present. Yes. In order for it to be this deep. I mean, it really doesn't happen on its own. You have no. to be intentional about it. And yeah. I could, I really got that. I was like, oh, yeah, I totally connect with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was there for me, too. And at the same time, I was also thinking about how, as human beings, we're meaning-making machines. Because mm-hmm. she's turning him being late into this whole dissertation of being abandoned. Totally. She's making a whole bunch of meaning around that. Yeah. Where really he just, he just showed up a little bit later, you know. Well, and she logically understands that too. Even though she's making meaning, she logically says he yeah. could be late from a staff meeting. He could be running late in traffic. I mean, she makes all the right reasons affordable to her within access. But then she ends with her story, which is like, no, he's just going to leave me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a very powerful story for her because but it's such a it's such a powerful story because she did that to so many men. Yes, she was uh, like Renee, very carefree, whatever, and was just like leaving guys. Yeah, she was a femme fatale. Yeah, yeah, and but the tables are reversed right now. They are. The part that I'm interested in, and I'm interested in your perspective of it is the sense she has of being captured by Renee emotionally and physically, like the bonds that bind her. Mm -hmm. And I thought about our experience together and the way you experience our dynamic from that point of view. Mm -hmm. Because you're a collared slut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I feel, I guess you'd say bonds. I don't always feel like it's bonds, but there is a tethering Mm. of us and of my desire to be uh, with and near you and that kind of thing. I like just sharing space with you is wonderful. Obviously when we play it's it's super wonderful, but there's something renewing about being in your space. Yeah. It completes me. It's it, we've said that before that you complete me. And and I mean when I say complete me, yes, in processes or in action, yes, that happens. But even just I don't feel whole when I'm separated. That's why our whole tasking of the butt plug and me being collared, even with a day collar and things like that, why that's valuable to me is not in the demonstration to others to show others of what I have, you know, which is what kind of what a wedding ring is for people because everyone understands what that is. And so there's a knowingness to that, right? Mine is uh, intrinsically understood. And so it's just a knowing for me. So it makes it tolerable when we're apart but it's not ideal. Right. It is, and it sounds weird, like it's not obsessive. It's not like that. It's like I've come to feel you're a part of me that I need yeah. to survive. And so when we're, when we're apart, when we're not connected like that, um, I don't feel whole. Right. And so then I'm also interested in how the chains that I chain you in are really the physical manifestation of the bonds you feel with me as yeah. your as your owner, as your master. Yeah. And I just wonder if that's part of why you just 
relish them. Probably. I think that's you're you're on to something there. We talked about this the other day about being creating your own prison and creating your own bonds. Yeah. In not a positive way that are actually restraining you, restricting you, constraining. Yeah. And constraining you. Yeah. Yeah. From being a full creature. Yeah. And a lot of those were for me were self-imposed, but uh, also environment. You know. This, this relationship I was in was very constrained. And the connotation was different. Yeah, the it connotation was, it was, was different. And it wasn't a choice. It right. was almost... You like know. you were a prisoner. Yeah. And now this bonding is a choice. So when you put the chains on me, that's a choice too. Because I choose to be your submissive and that's one of the things you enjoy doing. And I enjoy it more. And didn't know it would impact me as much as it has based on my realization now of like where it's a choice for me. It's kind of very similar to the whole choice of caning. Right. Like when I asked for more marks kind of thing. It's along those lines. This this choice of being your submissive being, choosing you over and over again in every moment that is so powerful for me. Yeah. And the chains do that because they're on the whole high protocol scene so I'm, I can relax into them, if you will, mm. to be the submissive that I truly am for you in that given moment. You know what I mean? I do, yeah. Yeah. Now, I really like this description of the invisible bonds that exist between us because I feel them. Yeah. You know, I feel that way of ownership of you that I talk about you as my bound, my submissive in bondage. Like yeah. You have a life in bondage. Right. And it's that world. It's that world of you're there in that way as a matter of choice. So it's powerful. It's super powerful. But it's also bondage. It is. Yeah. It's amazing. It's interesting. You know, she's in a different time. She has different constructs. She has a lot of morality wrapped up into her choices. And so she judges and makes meaning. And I don't make that kind of meaning, morality meaning, off of my sexual choices. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. She's sure. got a lot of hang-ups she does, in those yeah. areas. But you also... Well, let me put it this way. She also found that she needed the whipping to be whipped into submission. And that... she wouldn't freely do it. She wouldn't freely do it. And that wasn't how it occurred for you. No. No, because, you know, what you discovered is you're truly a masochist. And the choice of impact is aligned with your sexuality. Mm-hmm. But you weren't whipped into submission. Yeah, I always think of that whipped into submission. Like, what is that? Is it a dominant having to retrain a submissive with bad habits or a bratty submissive or I think of someone it as, that has to exert their power in order to get what they want from someone who isn't really choosing that? Yeah. I mean, the reality is she says she's whipped into submission as if she needed that to be submissive, but she has the choice. Everyone has the choice. And, you know... I guess you could say, well, the whipping allowed her to. I don't know. Is that really consent then? I don't know. Well, we've agreed that there's no consent in this conversation. I mean, because, because think about it. If you're talking about a totally different scenario and you're, you're trying to get some information out of somebody and you keep whipping them and then finally to get it to stop, they just say, okay, fine, fine, I did it. I stole the, the glass right. menagerie. When maybe they really didn't or maybe they did, but regardless... Of their own free will, they didn't admit that or say yes or no to it. They were beaten until an, a response happened, 
whether it's truthful or not. So then I go into the whole point of, of course, we're dealing with consent here, but we're also dealing with integrity. Like, I feel like kink relies heavily, and maybe I'm just a purist, but without integrity and kink, what do you have? You have assault. You just don't (laughs) have anything. No, it's true. This is what's interesting for me. She was beaten into accepting the rapes that were occurring to her. Yeah, which is exactly what was happening. So so it lives in the world of sexually broken. It doesn't live in the world of masochism. Mm -mm. She accepted the beating. And And she talks about being prostituted. She wasn't prostituted. No one was paying her money for any of the acts she did. Prostitution is also, unless it's a, you have a pimp that's forcing you, they're picking up people because they know that if they have sex, they get something out of it. Right. You know, she wasn't compensated. She wasn't compensated. She wasn't treated as a prostitute. She was treated as a she sex slave. She was assaulted. She was assaulted repeatedly. Yes. yes. And, and then that's supposed to allow her to have access to her being, I guess, broken and then rebuilt up into this submissive, like... Yeah, see, wow, you couldn't take the gifts she already had and work within her. You had to reform her because she wasn't good enough. And then this gets back to the whole thing. Because she wasn't good enough as is? Yeah. That seems odd because she was already taken by Renee hmm. so deeply before all the Rossi stuff. Right. That she was submissive. She would have done anything he wanted. Right. So and she is, did. So this is really Renee's Yeah, this is Renee's failure. fantasy. Yeah. It's his thing. I don't I don't know if he looks at her and doesn't see what he wants and wants to remold her, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it occurs to me like the challenges I'm having with this book are the lack of consent and the lack of communication. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, this, these are characters that are created in the writer's mind to try and convey a thought to her lover, mm-hmm. but she's missed the most important thing, which is to be in communication in a way that leads to consent. Right, I mean... There's no consent. No. She's beaten into a, like, a a wanton whore. I guess wanton. I mean, she talks about her desire of that, and I get that. Well, that's where Sir Stephen comes in. But, like, at Rossi, it wasn't... She was just being used. Yeah, she was just being used, and she was being used by people she didn't care for, and they... You know, they kissed her, they handled her, they fucked her. They, and she resisted and resisted and they beat her and beat her until she stopped resisting. She was broken in that cell in Rossi. Mm-hmm. Now she comes home and so Stephen is like, yeah, you need to use a different color lipstick and you need to yeah, behave yeah. this way for yeah. me. Yeah, sexualizing right? her. So he's starting to treat her more like the submissive that she is. And I can see why the writing's on the wall. She's going to fall in love with Sir Stephen because she's going to see Renee's shortcomings because Renee has a lot of shortcomings. Has a lot of shortcomings, yeah. He really does. Like, I mean, he must have seen her before they were engaged in the way she would have the power that she had. And then what did he want to do? He wanted to break her of her power? Like, that to me doesn't seem very dominant. Like, if you are dominant, you're dominant regardless. And if you see a woman who's powerful and stronger has tendencies to be dominant, but she expresses herself to you as a submissive, well, then that's game on. That's I feel like that's even better. I mean, I think people put too much weight in a submissive being weak and passive and, you know, whatever that is, and that that's what a true submissive should be. But the reality is, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think outside of kink and outside of dynamics we're still humans and every human wants to be desired and wanted yeah and if you're a pushover submissive where you have no voice no agency whatever have you 
how are you able to show your desire? Oh, I guess by your obedience, right? Right. But obedience is easy to do. I mean, that's not, that's a choice. Right. Obedience is choice. So I just, I think the whole conversation we've been having about seduction. Yes. Yeah, I think that plays into it. I think the submissive is seducing the dom and the dom seducing the submissive and if it's one-sided there's a problem and in this case with renee it's very one-sided it's very one-sided yeah but but that's like with regular relationships where someone is pawning after someone putting all the effort into them and they're kind of aloof and kind of whatever with you and they keep you around because you're a great uck buddy or whatever it is but there's no real desire to have anything more anything greater together and i think that's where they're missing that's the miss yeah that's a miss. Yeah. Yeah, I think Renee is missing out. Yeah, he's, yeah. You know, he's got a very willing submissive who adores him, who she's bound to. Yeah. But because they don't actually communicate, he's, like, conjured up some need to have her deeply trained as a submissive by Sir Stephen. And what he's doing is he's handing this fragile creature who's broken. Yep into Sir Stephen's hands, who's an experienced dominant, Mm -hmm. who's going to bring relationship out of her, Mm -hmm. and she's going to fall in love with him, I predict, and Renee's going to be left behind. Well, I think we ended the chapter, or that section, with Jacqueline coming in. You know, Renee arrives, uh, O is quickly brought out of her internal dialogue, and the niceties between Jacqueline just meeting and she wants to dismiss herself and Renee's like oh no no and he's holding O around the waist and being overtly dominant affectionate and dominant to O but demands I mean those were exclamation points don't go don't leave us I feel like he's going to invite her into something with them. Oh, that's possible. I think that because O had a kind of an attraction to Jacqueline at some level when they were talking. And it's established that she's bisexual. Yes. But again, consent. Yeah. This will be just something Renee does, I think. And I think that's coming. I think that was foreshadowing. So yeah. All right. Well, interesting chapter section. Yeah. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!